0: It is day four of Daf Chav Hei. We are holding the Gemara Daf Chav on the base ten lines down from the top of the page at the double dots. The Gemara continues with the next part of the Mishnah. Just as a recap in the Mishnah, we learnt that we are not able to believe in Amar Aretz, someone who is not particular or knowledgeable about the laws of Tumma and Tara, ritual purity and impurity, when it comes to Truma. However, we have to believe him, we can believe him when it comes to Kodesh. And we explain the reasons for this when we learnt the Mishnah. So then, the Mishnah taught to Vim Amar. If the Amar said to the Chaver, he frashti lesoichar ravias kodesh ne'eman that I separated within a barrel of oil. I separated a quarter log of oil as Kodesh. In other words, part of the barrel is Kodesh. So then you can believe him also about the components of the barrel that is Truma. In other words, if the barrel contains even a small amount of Kodesh, we believe the Amaorets also about the Tara status of the Truma. Because if we're going to permit him to bring the Kodesh component on the altar, on the Mizbeach, in the Beis Amingdash, then we also have to trust him about the Truma, because it would be a and a disgrace to the altar, altar to offer oil on the altar that was mixed with oil that is Tommy. And therefore, we have to also view the trimmer in the barrel as Toho. That's what we explained when we learned the Mishnah. The Gemara now is a discussion that is ultimately going to return to this part of the Mishnah and bring it into the discussion. We learned in a Mishnah in Oholos. Beishamah and Beishilal agree that we can check a pras for bone chips for the sake of those who are on their way to make a Korban Pesach. What does this mean? So a pras is a field that contains a grave and that field has been ploughed over, including the grave. And the rabbis were concerned that the ploughing might have scattered fragments of bone throughout the field. And those fragments, if they're the size of a grain of barley or larger, can generate corpse tumma. So the rabbis decreed, and this is rabbinic tumma, they decreed that anyone who passes within 100 umbers of the grave in any direction is contaminated with corpse tumour, And this is rabbinically instituted tumma. Now, the Mishnah tells us if someone's on their way to bring the Korban Pesach, which has to be offered in a state of Tahara, one cannot offer a Korban Pesach when they're ritually impure, and they come upon such a field, the Beis HaPras, which had a grave in it that was plowed over, and they have no alternative route, then they are permitted to do a check on the Beis pras for bone chips. They're permitted to look and, and do a check. The, the, the Mishnah is going to elaborate how this is done. And then once they've checked it and seen there are no bone fragments, they can proceed. The rabbinic Tummah generated by the Beisach Pras is lifted in order to allow him to fulfill his Korban Pesach obligation, which, as we said, cannot be fulfilled in a state of tumma. Now, why is the field not Tomei under biblical law? Because under biblical law, it's unlikely that the ploughshare dug deeply enough into the ground to reach a buried corpse. So it's just rabbinically instituted ritual impurity. The Mishnah continues, But we do not check a Besar Pras for the sake of those who are on their way to eat Trumah. Even though eating Trumah is a mitzvah, it's not a mitzvah that has to be done at a particular time. And therefore we don't waive the rabbinic Tumah for people eating Trumah. But for people going to do a Koran Pesach, we do waive the rabbinic Trumah to make sure they can fill their Koran Pesach by way of checking the field. But for Trumah, they can't even check the field. They're not allowed to check the field and then eat Trumah. My bodkin, the Gemara, wants to know how is this checking to be achieved? The mission says we can check the field for someone going to eat a Korban Pesach or offer a Korban Pesach. How do we achieve this checking? So the Gemara gives an answer. said the name of Shmuel, which literally means a person blows on the pras and walks through it. We have to explain this with a bit of background. The concern is, as we said, that there might be bone fragments in the field. The rabbis were concerned that a person might either come into contact with a fragment that's called maga he might touch a bone fragment or he might move it with his foot that is called masa he's moved it with his foot it's a form of carrying so maga or masa either he touches a bone fragment or he moves it so with each step the Gemara is saying he blows on the ground in front of him and then the blowing we assume will cause any small fragments to move and then he'll notice them and he'll avoid treading on them and if he doesn't either touch them or cause them to move then he is not does not become tommy now clearly blowing will only make visible to a person the bone chips lying on the surface of the field not those buried under the ground but nonetheless we are not concerned that he might form an ohel a roof above bone fragments underneath the ground that become tummy in that way why because ohel tuma, that a person will form a roof over a bone and become tummy in that way, that's only a consideration if a majority of the corpse's bones are still there, or if the large bones that make up the greater part of a person's frame or the entire skull or the entire spine remain extant. But a besa pras only contains small bits of bone at, at most, at worst. Therefore, so long as a person ensures that the path he goes on is free of visible bone fragments, that he will neither touch nor cause to move, then he can pass through the field. Now, of course, if there's a kazais of flesh of the corpse, it will contaminate someone who shelters over it. But like we said, a pras is assumed to contain only bone fragments. And therefore, the Gemara says, Rav Yudha Mashmol says, just blow on the ground of the pras and walk through it. That's how he does the check. A second opinion, Rabbi Rabbi bar Abba said the name of Tohar, a Beisapras that was trampled by many people is Tahor. Because any bone fragments lying in the path would inevitably be pushed to the side by the constant trampling of many feet. And therefore someone on the way to make the Korban Pesach has to check whether it's sufficiently trampled. That's how he does the check, not by blowing, rather by checking that it's been trampled a lot. And then he can assume that the bone fragments have been pushed to the side and he can cross it. Now, this Mishnah that we learned differentiates, as we said, between Korban Pesach and Trummer. We waive the rabbinic Tuma when it comes to Korban Pesach by doing a check on the field but we do not allow that check to be performed to waive the rabbinic Tumah for someone to eat Shrumah. Why? So the Gemara elaborates. When it comes to people on their way to making Korban Pesach the rabbis waive the decree of Tumah because they didn't establish their decree in the case of a commandment punishable with Kores. In other words and you have to add a little bit to the Gemara here. There are two things about a carbon Pesach we have to be cognizant of. One is that the punishment for not eating a carbon Pesach is Koris. And you have to eat it at a certain time. So he's under immense pressure to eat the Korban Pesach if we get it wrong and he's not tummy not ritually impure and he misses the opportunity to eat the Korban Pesach at its correct time he's going to be liable Koris and therefore the rabbis waive their rabbinic Tumah to allow him to fulfill this biblical mitzvah which has to be performed at a particular time and if it's not performed is liable the penalty of Koris but okay truma, when it comes to people who, who want to eat truma, what's the worst that can happen there is after all no time pressure on him to eat that truma. there's a mitzvah to eat truma. great but he doesn't have to eat it at a particular time and therefore the worst that can happen is that he's going to be liable the death penalty by hands of heaven if he eats it in a state of ritual impurity there's no punishment at all if he doesn't eat the truma he can just eat it later there's no punishment at all like with the korban Pesach that he's liable Kores there's no punishment he just doesn't eat truma no big deal but if he does eat it in a state of ritual impurity and we and we get it wrong and he is Tome then he's going to be liable death at the hands of heaven and therefore since there is a time pressure for the Koran Pesach but not for Truma and the punishment for not eating the Koran Pesach is koris, and the punishment for eating Truma in a state of Tuma is, uh, is Mishabadei Shammayim therefore the rabbis did not waive the requirement for Truma but they waived it for Korban Pesach now the Gemara gets to our Mishnah. They ask the following question. What if a person did check a Beis HaPras field for the purpose of bringing his Korban Pesach, as the Mishnah allows him to do? Can he then eat his trumah on the basis of that checking? He's come through the field and he's been given a permit to check it because he was offering his Korban Pesach. And now he wants to know, is he considered rebelically Tomei for trumah or not? So, he wasn't allowed to check the field for truma, and we would have rendered him rabbinically Tameh if he'd have only gone through the field for one purpose, which was to eat Shruma. But he went through the field with a, with a permit from the rabbis. He was allowed to check the field because he was going for the sacrificial obligation of the Koran Pesach. Can he now also rely on that to consider himself pure to eat truma? So Ula, Amar, Ula says, so Ula says it's fine, no problem. Once he's gone through the field for his korban Pesach and he was allowed to do that, he can also eat truma. But Rabba Bar, Ula Amar, Rabba Bar Ula says So no, he's not allowed to. Just because he's believed for the korban Pesach doesn't mean we trust him or believe him or we allow him to eat truma as well. Now Amalei Ahusaba, the certain elder, came along and said to Rabba Bar Ula Do not argue with Ula because we have a Mishnah that supports Buller's position. Remember, what did Ula say? Ula says once we believe him for the Korban Pesach, we also believe him for Truma. Where do we have a Mishnah? It's our Mishnah here in Chagiga. What does our Mishnah say? We explain it to the start of today's shir. If the Amaret said to the Chover, I separated within it's the same barrel a quarter log of oil as Kodesh, then we trust him also about the tara status of all the oil in the barrel. Even though we don't normally believe him for Truma, about the ritual purity status, once we believe him about the Kodesh, the, the status of the kodesh in the barrel we also believe him about the status of the truma in the barrel so alma what do you see from our mishnah truma. once we believe him on the kodesh we also believe him on the truma so here also in this mishnah in arlo when it comes to going through a Beis ha pras, once we believe him, once we allow him and therefore give him a Chazakah, we give him Ne'monis, we believe him about his purity status with respect to eating the Korban Pesach, we also must allow him, we also must trust him when it comes to Truma. Because again, the same rationale applies. It would constitute a disgrace to the temple altar to offer Kodesh on it, for a person to offer a Korban Pesach when he's not allowed to eat Trumma, if we, if we consider the person richly impure with respect to Truma, and we're off, allowing him to offer his Corban Pesach, that's a disgrace for the altar, and we believe him therefore about both. We're going to hold the EF today. I wish you all a very good day.